Chapter Ten of Phantoms of Reality by Ray Cummings. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. My role to play. I slipped like a shadow through the almost empty corridors. Down on the lower floor, I found that many of the soldiers were on the inside, standing about the corridors in groups, waiting for word from their comrades on the platform to indicate what action they should take. My time was short. I knew that within a few minutes they would be rushing up to overpower Derek. I stood unseen against the wall near the main entrance. I could not get outside. There were too many soldiers there. I tried to keep my sense of direction. The wing upon which the tower stood was about two hundred feet from me here. If I could not get outside, I would have to try the inside, along this corridor. I prayed that I might not make an error. I tried to gauge exactly where the tower would be. The hallway was almost dark, and in this wing there chanced to be no one at the moment. I came to the angle and turned it to the left. I was unarmed, save my dirk. I drew it, but I encountered no one. I passed the doors of many empty rooms. The windows were all barred on this lower floor. I could hear the shouts of the crowd outside. I came at last to the end of the wing. A staircase here led upward. I guessed that I was directly under the tower now, and that this staircase undoubtedly led upward into it. I mounted a few steps to verify what I was sure to be the condition. It was as I thought. Robar had won over the soldiers who were here. He had sent them down from the tower bridge. They were guarding this staircase. I crept up another few steps, very cautiously. I could hear their voices on the stairs. A light was up there. I could see the legs of some of them as they crowded the stairs. I softly retreated. There was no way of getting into the tower here. Alone and armed only with my dirk, I could not mount these stairs and assail a dozen armed men standing above me, especially when, if I raised an alarm, Robar overhead might be startled into killing hope. I stood another moment, thinking, planning my actions. I was trembling. Everything depended upon me now. I must get up into the tower. And above everything else, haste was necessary. I retreated back to the lower floor. I was still some twenty feet above the ground, I judged. That was too far. A dozen paces along the hall... I saw a stairway leading downward into the ground-level cellar of the castle. I marked it in my mind exactly in which direction I turned, and how far. I went down the stairs. There was an empty lower room. It was pitch black. I lay down on its earthen floor. Above me, a few paces off to one side, I could visualize the tower. A hundred and fifty feet above me, at least, up to that bridge balcony where Robar stood with hope. I kept my mind on it and prayed that I might not be making an error, a miscalculation. I prayed, too, that luck would be with me, a desperate chance, yet I thought I knew what was here, about here, in New York City. I lay on my side alone in the blackness and pressed the switch at my wrist. The familiar sensation of the transition began. The darkness grew luminous. 
Around me, shadows were taking form. My body was humming, thrilling with vibrations within it. I could feel the ground under me seeming to melt. My head was reeling. Nausea swept me, but with it all, I tried to keep my wits. I must watch this new space into which I was going. Space, I prayed that here on this spot in New York City there would be empty space. If not, at the first warning, I was prepared to stop my mechanism. The shadows grew around me. There was a moment or two when I felt as though I were floating, weightless, the sense of my body hovering in a void, intangible, imponderable, with only my struggling mentality holding it together. And then I felt myself materializing. Around me walls were taking form. I floated down a foot or two and came to rest upon a new floor. My hand brushed it. My physical senses were returning. I could feel a floor of concrete. A vague, shimmering light was near me. It seemed to outline the rectangle of a window. All around was darkness, empty darkness, soundless with only the throbbing hum of the mechanism. I was indoors in a room. I felt suddenly almost normal, except for the whirring vibration. I flung the switch again. There was a shock, a whirling of my senses. Then I sat up. My head steadied. The nausea passed. I was back in my own world in New York City. This was night. I tried to calculate the time. Derek and I had departed about midnight. This would be, then, some time before dawn. I was in a cellar room, lying on its cement floor. There was a window, with a faint light outside it, a window up near the ceiling. A straggling illumination showed me a bin, a few barrels, a door leading into another room, which looked as though it might be a machine shop. I sat up, calculating. I was a thousand feet, perhaps, from the battery wall, two hundred feet from the Hudson River. This was an office building, and I was in one of its cellar rooms, at the ground level. Near dawn, I tried to calculate what might be overhead. A deserted office building. Too early yet for the scrub women. The elevator would not be running. I laughed to myself. Of what use to me an elevator, if it had been running? How could I, a midnight prowler, appear from the cellar of this building and demand to be taken upstairs? There would be no elevator, but there would be watchmen. I would avoid them. I found a door. My heart leaped with a sudden fear that it would be locked, but it was not. I went through it into a passage and found the staircase. I made two turns. I tried again to keep my mind on this space here. I stood carefully thinking. I had it clear. I had made no move without careful thought. The tower with Robar was still to my left, and about directly above me. I went up the short stone staircase, opened another door carefully. I was in the dim lower hall of the office building. I found myself beside the deserted elevator shaft. A light was burning on the night attendant's table in an alcove on the other side of the shaft. He sat there with his back to me. I closed the door soundlessly. The stairway upward beside the elevator was here. I watched my chance. I darted around the angle and went up. 
I met no one. The concrete staircase had a light at each floor. Four floors up. No, not enough. I opened the fourth floor door. The marble hall of the office building was empty and silent. Rows of locked office doors with their gold-leaf names and numbers. A single dim light to illumine the silent emptiness. I retreated into the staircase shaft and mounted higher. My dirk was in my hand. Charlie Wilson, the Wall Street brokerage clerk, prowling here. And upon what a strange adventure. I came to what I thought was the proper floor. In the hall, I selected a room. The door was securely locked. I had no way of breaking the lock, but the panel was of opaque glass. I would have to chance the noise. I rushed the length of the hall to where a red fire axe hung in a bracket. I came back with it. I smashed the glass panel of the door. Would a watchman hear me? I did not wait to find out. With the axe, I scraped away the splinters of glass. I climbed through the opening. My hand was cut, but I did not heed it. I was in a dim, silent office with rugs on the floor, desks standing about, filing cases, a water cooler, and a safe in the corner. I rushed to one of the windows. It looked over Battery Park and the Upper Bay. The stars were shining, but to the east over Brooklyn, I could see them paling with the coming dawn. I gazed down to try and calculate my height. Yes, this would be about right. And my position. I could see the outline of the shore, the trees of Battery Park, the busy harbor even at this hour before dawn thronged with the moving lights of its boats. I saw all this with my eyes, but with my mind I saw the wrecked, deserted pavilion and the gardens of Leonto's castle. The threatening mob would be below me. The palace entrance would be here to my left. Down in the street where those taxis were parked. There was a commotion down there by the office building entrance. I knew now what caused it, but at the time I did not notice. The wing of the castle was under me. This would be the tower, its upper room, or the balcony, just about where I was standing. I prayed that it might be so. I seemed with my mind to see it all. I lay down on the floor by the window. Out in the office building hallway, I heard heavy footsteps come running. One of the night watchmen had evidently heard the glass crashed. I laughed. I pressed a switch at my wrist. End of chapter 10